G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. How can I close the gap so that the kingdom Jesus said that's up here will come down here? How can I close it to where everything I've always wanted and that for which I'm searching becomes a reality? Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello, my name is Bill and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, Pastor Jeff speaks about the Kingdom of God, how it's available here on earth right now because of the person of Jesus. This message is part of his Simple Truths series and is available on your podcast app or via this station. Let's join Pastor Jeff now as he preaches from Acts chapter 28, verse 31, which reads, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Here's Pastor Jeff now. Acts chapter 28, verse 31. Find that in your Bible and just hold it. Acts 28, 31. Now, as you're finding that, I want to give you a little test right now, okay? Here's the test. If you had to describe to somebody the gospel Jesus came to bring, could you do it, and how would you describe it? If I just ask you right now to turn to your neighbor, which I'm not going to do. Don't you hate it when people ask you to do that in church? I'm not going to do that. You're safe. But if I were to ask you to do that, and I said, I want you to fill in the blank, the gospel is, how is it you would describe it? What would you say? Here's my concern. I'm saying and suggesting there are well-meaning, Bible-founded churches today that they do not give the same answer to that question that Jesus gave. Even though they're well-meaning, well-intentioned, it's not the same answer. Because the Bible is clear of what the gospel really is. Mark writes in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news, that's the same word as gospel, of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, Luke, a historian of first rate, said that after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming what? The good news of what? Say it, the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 1, when Jesus had called the 12, the disciples, that is, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach what? Say it, the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 1, This great historical book about the early church, verse 3 of the very first chapter, after his suffering, speaking of Jesus, he showed himself to these men and gave many other convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the what? Said, kingdom of God. Acts is a book about the story of the early church. The last verse. Now, young people, high schoolers, let's go. Wake up. Here we go. You got to hear this. The very last verse of this historical book. Here's what Paul says. He says, I've I've been doing one thing, proclaiming one thing, 
boldly, here's that passage I told you to turn to, and without hindrance, he preached what? The kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Which tells me this, the gospel is about the kingdom of God and Jesus' message is clear. That the kingdom of God has now become available for ordinary human beings to live in. It's not something you're waiting down the future that might happen. You need to get this right now. The kingdom of God, that's ultimately what the gospel is about. And Jesus said when he talked about the kingdom, this. He said, it is available right now. Not something you got to wait on. It's available right now, right here. And if you want to live in it, you can walk right in. Right now. Now, why do I mention all that? This is important. Why do I start out like this? Because there is another gospel permeating the church. Another gospel that is going around, that is gaining popularity. And let me tell you how I would define it. It goes like this. The gospel, and here's the blank, is about the minimal entry requirements for getting you into heaven when you die. The gospel is about the minimal entry requirements for getting you into heaven when you die. And so to illustrate this, I'm going to bring in another deeply sophisticated theological film, Money Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> now here's how, that's right. Do you remember, do you remember the scene near the end of the movie when King Arthur and his knights are trying to go into the castle to get the grail and they got to cross this big ravine and there's a bridge and there's a bridge keeper and the bridge keeper says, well, if you're going to cross over and you're going to try to complete your quest, what does he say? You're going to have to answer three questions. It's all about three questions. So the first knight comes up and he says, question one, what is your favorite color? And the knight thinks, that's it? And he says, red, congratulations going across. The next knight comes up expecting the same question and he says, the bridge keeper, what is the capital of Assyria? And the guy's shocked. And he says, I don't know. Well, he falls into the ravine. He can't go across. Third guy comes up. Third guy's expecting a difficult question. Instead, he gets the same question. What is your favorite color? And the guy's a little nervous, so he says, red, no blue. Ah, he falls into the ravine. And then remember what happens? King Arthur comes now. Now, you remember the movie? There's a running gag throughout the movie. You know what it is? It's that question. Thank you. Thank you. We have smart people in the room. That's right. What is the airspeed velocity of a coconut-laden swallow? And when Arthur hears that, he looks at the bridge keeper and he says, well, it depends. Are you talking about an African or European swallow? And the bridge keeper says, I don't know. Nah, he goes down in the ravine. And Arthur gets to go across to the castle. Listen, tell me something. There's so many people that believe that over there's heaven and I'm over here and there's a great ravine and a great bridge and there's a secret code, a secret password. If I have the right answer to the right question, I get to go across. Tell me, somebody, anybody, where you find in the New Testament, anywhere where Jesus says, here are the minimal requirements for getting you into heaven after you die. Here are the minimal entrance requirements for getting you into heaven when you die. And the answer to that is never. He never says that. So what untold millions believe about the gospel, Jesus never said. Here's what he did say. He came to say something about something called the kingdom of God. And he said that life, your life, not something in the future, that life, your life, you can live it. That life in God's kingdom, in God's presence, in God's power, in God's favor, has now, in His person, in His body, come to the earth and is available to you right now, not something you're waiting on in the future. You can walk in, you can enter right here, right now. Let me say it again, just in case you missed it. He says that life in God's kingdom, in God's presence, in God's power in you, accessible, 
and God's favor upon you, God's activity in every moment of your life has now in his person and his body come to earth and is now available to you and anyone can enter. You can walk in right here, right now. Now, of course, the gospel includes this. I know you've not seen this before. It does include this, where there is you, there is God, and your sin separates you. There's the gap between you and God, but through the cross of Jesus Christ, you can walk over. You've been forgiven of your sins. Intimacy, relationship now can happen with God. I'm not saying that that's not the gospel. That is the gospel. It's the entryway. It is important. What I'm saying is there's something beyond that. Because Jesus said he was a kingdom bringer. He, say it with me. Jesus came as a kingdom bringer. Say it now. Jesus came as a kingdom bringer to convince us there's a better way of life than the life you're living right now. There's a better way to every man in the room. You're just like me. We're in the same boat together. You may not fight depression to the degree that I do, but you fight some depression, right? Especially those of you getting around middle age. Why are you here? What's your life about? Why is my marriage not the way I thought it should? Why is this not turning right? Jesus came to tell you there's a better way of living than the way you're living now. He's saying in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what does he say? All these things, everything you're looking for, everything, you're going to find it in the kingdom. Significance, acceptance, peace, contentment, joy, security, great relationships. Everything we're looking for is in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus came to bring. But here's the problem. I've heard this all my life and no pastor ever explained to me what that meant. What is the kingdom of God? It sounds so, yeah. what is that? So I want to just do that for him. What is the kingdom? I mean, if you think about what a kingdom is, the first thing I want to tell you, we all have one. And you are wired to have one. God made you to have one. Genesis chapter 1 through 3. He created you and wanted you to have dominion and rule over the earth. Everybody has a little kingdom. That's right. In Revelation, we're told that we will rule and have dominion with him. So don't be surprised, guys, when you have this little kingdom. You were wired to have a kingdom. Everybody is. It is the range of your effective will, where what you want to be done gets done. And if it wasn't for sin entering all the kingdoms and those kingdoms of the earth emerging, it'd be a great place to live. But in a sense, everybody has a kingdom. That's why we don't like to be told what to do. Have you ever heard children say, you're not the boss of me? You ever heard that? Come on, brothers and sisters. My daughter spent most of her early life saying that to her older brother. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. In those times when I get brave, I, I tell that to my wife. <laughs> now stay with me here. He says there is the kingdom of God. It's up here. He says it's the realm of God's activity. It's real. It's the range of God's effective will. It's the sphere where everything that happens in it meets with God's approval and God's delight. Everything is precisely as God wants it to be. And the Bible describes the kingdom of God, listen, this kingdom up here, as a place of service and humility. Matthew 18, humble yourself like a little child. I read a story this past week about Mother Teresa. She was visited before she died by the President of the United States, and it was a cold call. The president didn't say he was showing up. He just shows up in Calcutta, got some business, I guess, going to pass by and just visit Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was doing, at that point, what she spent most of her life doing, just holding a dying man or woman or child in her arms that didn't have any family, no one to be there, street person, 
and just holding them to comfort them and to love them as they died in her arms. She said, we're back to the president. Well, I'm glad that you've come, but you're going to have to wait. I've got someone here in my arms that needs me. You see, kingdom of God is like that. Where no matter if you're president or in poverty, you're all treated equally. That's the kingdom of God. That's what we all, it's a society. Think about it. Think about a world where you get your photo on the front of a magazine, not because you're rich, beautiful, or powerful, but because you're the type of person that humbles yourself and you find new ways to bring delight and growth to the people around you. Service and humility. It also says in the Bible that it's a place of peace and joy. Romans 14.1 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of legalistic rules, eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Now imagine, the kingdom of God has everything you're looking for. Imagine a world where nobody ever cuts anybody else down. All the things that hurt you doesn't happen anymore. Where your mom and dad love you unconditionally. Where no one ever wishes failure on anybody else. Where nobody ever harbors bitterness. Where the only kind of gossip that goes around in this world is about other people's secret virtues and hidden good deeds. Where television talk show hosts feature mothers and daughters who actually adore each other. Where teenagers treat their bodies with purity and respect. Watching over this greatest realm, this greatest kingdom, is the greatest servant of all, the most joyful being of all, the magnificent God and Father of Jesus, who is endlessly celebrated because of His infinite self-giving love. That's this kingdom of God. That's up here. And anybody in the room that wants to walk into it can go there right now. Not something you have to wait on. But Jesus says there's a second kingdom. What is it? What would I write here? The kingdom of what? The kingdom of the earth or the world, correct? The second kingdom. And what's this kingdom like? It's a place of selfishness. It's the exact, it's the antithesis of everything in the kingdom of God. It, the, people get hurt here. Lives get damaged here. And if I do, I'm building my house on the rock and not the sand, right? Because I know there's no way there's anybody in here that doesn't pray continually. Because that's what Jesus said to do. And it would give you life. And I know there's no one in here that doesn't forgive instantly. As soon as somebody offends you, you just automatically forgive because that, that brings life. And if you don't do it, it sucks the life right out of you. So I know that since we're all believers in God and His way, that we're praying and we're forgiving and we're serving one another because ultimately service does bring life into somebody else's life. And I know that we're that there's no one in here pursuing the temporary. Oh, that could never happen because that's a farcical life. That our main objective in life is to pursue that which is eternal. We wouldn't dare waste our time on temporary stuff all the time. We wouldn't be possessed by the temporary because we believe in God and we believe that what He says goes. And we want to be in the kingdom of God. And I know that we're giving. Oh, sure, we're doing that. Because we believe what Jesus said about giving, it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over in your lap. So I know that there's a room here filled with generosity. Because we're not practical atheists, we're believers. Listen to me, and I know for certain, I know there's surely nobody in this room that somebody made a decision you didn't like, said something you didn't like, and you just harbor bitterness, and you wish the worst for them, and you just can't wait till they get what's coming. There's nobody in the room like that, right? Nobody. Because we're not practical atheists. And if you have something against your neighbor, your friend, you've gone to them, right? You've talked to them, said, I've had something, I, I need to apologize, and forgiveness have, has been the result, right? Because that's the way we are. We do what God asks us to do. This is the kingdom of the world if we don't. Now, before I get off track, listen, here's what Jesus is saying. 
He's saying, I got a plan. What if I were to bring this kingdom up here, down here? I bring this kingdom here, down here. That's what I want to do. What if that were to happen? Dallas Willard calls it a divine conspiracy because you can't do it violently. You're not going to do it by force because you can't imposition or impose your will on anybody else. You cannot do it. The human heart cannot be changed by force. So Jesus says, here's my gospel. Here's the good news. Here's my plan. I'm going to bring this down here. Jesus never taught anybody to pray, God, take me out of this world. It's so bad so that I can go to that world. Do you know that? He said, no, that his task is to bring this, the kingdom of God, down here into your life. That you don't have to wait for heaven, that you can have it right now. In your family, in your church, in the whole sphere of your influence, in your life. And when up there, up here, comes down here, life is so good. That's what Jesus says. As a matter of fact, he told story after story about how good this is. He says, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Now remember, we're talking about having everything that you've always wanted. Everything you're looking for, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about not waiting till heaven. That what's up here comes down here, now. And Jesus said, to what can I compare the kingdom of God? It's like a man who finds a buried treasure, sells everything he has. Everything. Why? Because when you find and you begin to understand, which I'm, I don't know how many Christians walk through their entire lives and never get this, which is why we live in such disappointment, frustration, and struggle. And we're supposed to be the happiest people of the lot. When you find out what the kingdom really is, when you find out what that really is, you'll do anything. You'll sell everything to have it. Because the truth is, everything for which you're searching, significance, acceptance, peace, contentment, love, joy, hope, security, it's all found in the kingdom. That's what I want to do in your life. <coughs> to what can I compare the kingdom of God? Let me try to contextualize it. Just stay with me. It's like a lotto ticket that finally pays off. Not that any of you would ever buy a lotto ticket. But if you did, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like the lotto ticket that finally pays off. It's like getting an envelope with Ed McMahon's picture on it that says you may have already won $8 million. And you open it up and you find out you actually have won $8 million. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? To what can I compare the kingdom of God? It's like a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer who barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up from the ground came a bubbling crude. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. It's available right now, one shot away. Whew. Hold on, I got a little lightheaded there for a minute. Here, here we go. Let me, see if I can, let me see if I can explain this in terms I think that, that, that will kind of motivate us. When I was in New Zealand, it was about four or five weeks before Christmas, and I was trying to think about what to get my daughter to see on. So I go down to the North Shore Mall, I walk into a toy store, and over in the corner is this huge stuffed Tigger, Winnie the Pooh, Sion's favorite, favorite character, Tigger. Of course, I didn't know it at the time, but I now know. Tigger's sanguine. The most wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. Their tops are made out of... Rubber, their bottoms are made out of springs. They're bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is what? I'm the only one. Sanguine. She likes Tigger. I see this stuffed Tigger at the corner. Parents, children, just adoring this thing behind a screen. Can't touch it. I go in and pay the astronomical price for this thing. I'm, I'm carrying this thing to the mall. I got it under my shoulder like this. As I'm walking out of the mall, every father's looking at me like, 
you dog man, you got that tigger. <laughs> and every little girl's looking at me like, man, I wish you were my daddy. And I knew, I knew that I'd done the right thing. I got home. Now, where do you hide something this big? I got so excited, I couldn't wait till Christmas. You know, why do you have to wait till Christmas? I wanted to see Tigger. Look at Tigger. Tigger sleeps in her room still today, right beside Milo, the dog. He knows not to mess with Tigger. They get along fine. That's God. God says, no, I don't want to wait till heaven. I want you to have it now. You got it? I don't want to wait till you think everything's going to be fine down here. I want you to have it now. I'm going to bring this up here, down here into your life. That's what he's saying. Because the reality is, for most of us, you tell me this isn't how it happens. You cross the bridge. You're excited at first. Bible study, prayer, devotion life. You might even clean up your act a little bit with your language or addiction that you might have to tackle or maybe your temper. We call it the honeymoon period. It's not only the teenagers in this, it's all of us. Then something stalls. And instead of my life looking like this amazing picture described in the New Testament, I yell at my children. I worry too much about money or my job. For you, it's about seeking personal significance and you want your friends to like you and you want to have money and you want everybody to just love you and you want to be popular. You start going after that thing that everybody's going to go after. You start pursuing all the wrong things. You even get jealous about people who are more successful or more attractive than you, which is the seed of gossip, malice, and slander. I use deception to get out of trouble. I pass judgment on a lot of people. I get mad if I don't get my way. And when I read the words of Scripture about putting off the old man and putting on the new, there are many people in this room right now, instead of getting inspired by that, the truth is they just feel down and depressed. They feel no joy and a sense of hopelessness. In fact, if, I, if, if they're honest today, here's what they'd say. You know what, Jeff? I appreciate what you're saying, but I just feel tired because this is just one more thing I got to do I'm not doing. I know that this up here has not come down here in my life. And even though you tell me that's possible, Jeff, I'm just too tired. Because you think it's some great effort you've got to make. And so here's what we're stuck with. The gap between here and here, and we can't close it. The gap between the promised life in the Bible and my life. And here it is, and it's wide. It's a great cavern, and we don't seem to be able to cross it. This, in my opinion, is the most important question you can ask as a Christian. How can I close the gap? So that the kingdom Jesus said that's up here will come down here. How can I close it to where everything I've always wanted and that for which I'm searching becomes a reality? That is the most important question I believe a Christian can ask. The most important question you could ever ask, which is why I'm begging you. I'll get down on my knees if I have to to ask you to come back next week so you can hear the answer. <laughs> Father, we are grateful for your power, for the word, for the way it opens our eyes, for the way that we know that there's got to be something more for everything that we're searching. It's like that elusive wind. We chase, we chase, but we never catch it. I pray for our high schoolers right now, for our college students, for those in this room that know what I am saying. Father, it just resonates so much with them. Father, I pray that you would give us a renewed passion to want to know the answer 
that is just as powerfully given in your word as the reality of the kingdom of God becoming a reality in our lives. That what's up there and the fact that you want to bring what's up there down here would so permeate our thinking that we would, even if we're tired and we're weary and we think we've heard it all before, I pray something very special would happen in this room over the next few minutes and over this whole week till we come back again to hear the rest of the story. And so, Father, we celebrate what you have done and anticipate what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.